0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the Parma Podcast. Uh, I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. I'm um, really delighted you're all here again, and uh, yeah, yet again, we have a new guest on the show, and I'm really excited about this one. I'm always excited about new guests on the show because there tend to be people that I already know, and I'm excited to share their stories. So, um, yeah, welcome Casey to the show.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me on, James. I appreciate it. I'm excited too.
0: Yeah, yeah, I've been, ex- been um, excited about this one for a while. Um, casey yeah. and I know each other from Twitter. Um, we've been chatting a lot there for a while. Um, and yeah, um, casey has got a really powerful story to share, um, and I'm excited to hear it. So um, just tell us, before we get into your story, just tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: A little bit about me. Well, I am, you'll learn in my story, about seven years out of 28 years of hell. <laughs> so that's the, that's the quick synopsis. On this side of everything that I went through and my whole past story, I, um, I am just trying to, gosh, kind of figure out who I am right? And that's a big piece of this is that I think I've always struggled with the idea of needing to have a bigger identity than I think I do have. Needing to have some sort of defined overarching grand purpose in life, right? Mm. Um, And I'm kind of realizing for the first time in my life here in the last few years that, you know, I define myself, that nothing else defines me, that nothing else makes me who I am, Um, and no amount of skill or expertise or um, career or anything else makes me me. So I guess I don't even have a lot of words to put to an introduction at this point, other than to say, you know, I don't have anything to sell. I don't have anything to market. I'm not here as an author or as, you know, an expert on any given subject, but I'm here as a regular person. Um, And I... I find myself becoming more and more comfortable with that identity as I move through my life that I, you know, yes, I'm a wife, I'm a mother, I'm i I'm, I work in marketing. I do all these things. I have all of these different defining pieces about myself that make up what I do, but what I really want out of this I guess today because I was telling you before that I, I have never really shared my whole story in one setting
0: mm-hmm.
1: and what I hope is that maybe it would be able to shed a little bit of light for people who are in the same boat right like just don't know who to be on the other side of trauma
0: mm-hmm.
1: Um, And uh, people who don't know how to come out of it and just exist. Because it feels like there's kind of this expectation, right, that we come out of darkness and we step into light and we do great things with our life. Mm -hmm. And for me, I think at this point, I am trying to just rely on the fact that I am great. Without yeah. having to do great things. Doesn't yeah. Mean. No. That's that's an
0: amazing introduction. That's brilliant. I love that. I love that introduction. That's one of the best introductions. Yeah, that anyone's ever done. Like um, on this show. Um, it's like, yeah, absolutely love that. Um, yeah. Thank you for that introduction. Sure. That's so great um, That's so, so let's kind of go back and, and tell us a bit of or tell us and just and tell us your story yeah uh,
1: sure. um well, I guess I'll start you know back there um, at the very beginning. I was like so many people in our Twitter circle that we know, right raised very fundamentalist christian um, and i I was raised in The Church of Christ, which, when people hear that, they either say, "What is that? I've never heard of that," or they go, "Oh, (laughs) it's one of two reactions, right?" Um, And so, yes, for the for the people who go, "Oh, yeah, you're absolutely right," um, we were the church that thought all the other churches were going to hell, right? We were the exclusive. best of the best christians and so yeah and i say that obviously tongue-in-cheek because i don't believe that yeah
0: obviously oh, yeah obviously. that's that's um, that, that's easily implied yeah <laughs>
1: right but um i just to make sure to be clear uh so so being raised in that kind of environment first of all you know you you are raised to absolutely believe that you are the chosen Right? But at the same time, when you struggle with that idea of needing a grand purpose, like your whole life's goal is to follow God's will. Um, and if you're not following God's will, then you're not you're not being who you were meant to be. And so even as a small child, I remember just the sheer anxiety that that idea caused in my body because I knew from a very young age that anything that I wanted meant that it was inherently evil, that my whole entire purpose was to abandon self and whatever I didn't want must have meant that those things were godly. Okay, and that's the message that gets yeah, read yeah, yeah. over and over and over. Okay, Absolutely
0: with that, yeah. If you want it, that means that God doesn't want it, and if you don't want it, then God wants it, right?
1: Right. Okay. Which you know sets little girls up, especially, I think, for abuse and manipulation and um, sexual abuse and all of the things. You know, like if 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 we don't want something to happen to us. It's godly. Um, And that gets very dangerous very quickly. Mm. And so for me, you know, I had abuse in my own household. My father was a very abusive person. Um, And I learned from a very, very young age that my safety was not important. My bodily autonomy was not important. Uh, my voice was not important, and I learned from my mother that what you do when those things happen is you run and you hide. Um, and I I didn't like that. <laughs> obviously, mm-hmm. I uh, I was a a Spitfire, if if I can say that. I I was a fight response no. biologically. Yeah. Yeah. And so being born into this environment that constantly tries to put your fire out. Right. And I was constantly trying to relight that fire and fight back. um, Often left me worse off than when I started. Mm. Yeah. Um, And I, I won't, you know, I won't drag out all of the details of that, but it was, it was not a good situation for me. Um, I was homeschooled. So I'm, you know, one of those weirdos. <laughs> and I always tell people that my experience as a homeschooler was even different than I think a lot of other homeschool kids experienced because we weren't in you know, the homeschool groups, or we weren't in a church even that homeschooled a lot of other kids. And so we were pretty isolated, uh, in our situation. And it was my family and our church. And for my entire childhood, those were the only people that I knew, you know, I didn't have friends outside of church. I didn't have friends at school. I didn't have friends in other places, you know, church and home was my entire life. Hmm. Um, and it's, it's just, it's so, um, trying to think about how to, how to phrase this or how to tell, This even just like I said, you know, this is the first time I'm really putting words to all of it. So Mm, yeah. when you you grow up like that, so isolated um, and also feeling like your entire goal in life is to have some sort of godly purpose. But the only examples you have of that are church and home. And you don't know anything else, right? Yeah. Um, And part of my circumstances, too, was that my father really wanted me to be a boy. Um, He had always wished that I was a boy. And so he treated me in that way. And I learned that I was never strong enough. I was never tough enough. I was never hard enough, you know, uh, to suit him. And so, what I really wanted, more than anything, was to be accepted um, and seen as strong, seen as capable, right? Yeah. And so, in church, in that setting, you you're taught constantly that you know, as a woman, you don't get to do anything, right? I was not allowed to serve, I was not allowed to teach, I was not allowed to do. Um but I also knew that I didn't want to be that godly wife. Like I knew from a young age like that wasn't my purpose. I I was capable of so much more than that. Mm-hmm. But time and time again you're just shown over and over and over that the world doesn't have a place for you outside of that. Mm. You know, and from youth ministers who become abusive, um, to, you know, just being the girl that, how do I say this gently? I, I was, I developed at a very early age too. So what? from age like 10, 11 on, um, I not only was, fiery and and a fighter, but I also became the stumbling block for every person around me, right? Every man around me. Um, and then you start to get blamed for everything that happens to you is your fault, you know? And I learned pretty quickly. I learned pretty quickly to cover my body always, to hide it, um, to dress so that I couldn't be seen um, because I learned that life was a lot easier if just no one perceived me, right? And it didn't matter, right? That's the story time and time again, is it? It doesn't matter what you do or what you wear or how you act or what, you know, when you are female, woman, you know, um, you're going to get taken advantage of. So sad. Especially in a situation that sets you up for it like that, right? In a situation where you're told time and time again that you don't matter. Your voice doesn't matter. Your story doesn't matter. Your strength, your power, anything that you have is only good as a servant to the men.
0: Yeah, and that's horrible. Yeah. Oh. Oh, I'm really sorry you went through that. Really, um,
1: thank yeah. you. It's uh it's it's one thing to talk about it like this. It's been another thing um, for me to start processing a lot of this in therapy in the last couple yeah. of years. Yeah, and you know, for a long time, I tried to pretend or maybe not even pretend, maybe dissociate is the better word Um, Mm -hmm. from a lot of the things that happened to me, to my body in my house, in my, you know, what was supposed to be my family at church, Um, tried to pretend like a lot of it didn't exist Um, or even tried to pretend that it wasn't as bad as it was, you know? And then when you start retelling your story to a professional, and they do nothing but validate you. It's so weird. <laughs> it's so strange and it's so um it's so freeing and yeah. empowering and like all of these things, you know, you 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 always hope that somebody will listen to you and that somebody will hear you and say, "Yes, those things really happened. Yes, you you felt those things. You experienced those things. You did not imagine this trauma." Um, because when you've experienced enough gaslighting after a while, you start to feel like it didn't really happen, you know? Um, but it did, it did happen, you know, and you grow up in this environment that just constantly belittles everything about who you are. Okay. And so there was, for me, there was this internal conflict always of wanting to be greater, wanting so many things. I used to want to sing. Right, just as a small example, I love to sing. I'm really good at it, <laughs> um, and I always was, even from a very young age. Um, but when you're told time and time again that your voice is only good for seeking attention,
0: yeah,
1: um, and it doesn't give glory to God, you know, eventually you shut that down. Eventually, you stop doing it. Yeah, yeah. Um, and eventually, every part of myself shut down. And stopped functioning, right? And, you know, there's there's a long, a long, long version of this story I could tell you. I won't go into every detail. I'll give you some of the highlights um, just for the sake of time. But hmm. eventually, um, let's see, I went to college. Um, I went to a Christian conservative college like my family wanted me to. Uh, And I kind of went off the rails a little bit. I um, realized when I got there how many holes there were in my education. Um, I was not able to do well in the math or the sciences. Um, I, I just didn't understand them. And I realized at that point how Sorely lacking, a lot of my education had been, mm. and so that was really disheartening too. Um, to get to college and and realize that I couldn't even necessarily pursue some of the things that I was hoping to pursue because I I couldn't keep up, I couldn't keep up, and so I decided that I was going to go into ministry, like a good girl, you know. Um, it didn't require a lot of science and math, so I could do that. I could go into ministry and I could be, you know, somebody's wife and I could serve a church and I could fulfill this purpose and I could follow God's will. Yeah. And then I realized, um, you know, a year or so into that, that, um, in order to have a degree in ministry, you had to take preaching courses. And I had always been taught that I wasn't supposed to preach, right? I was a woman. I'm not allowed to preach. And so suddenly there was this like block (laughs) in front of me for that, even that I couldn't get around. Um, And I didn't know how to navigate. And it kind of broke me because I think that's really the moment for me that deconstruction started. Um, And it took many, many, many years. After that, for it to, you know, run its full course. But it was in that moment that I realized that even the things that I wanted to try to do to serve this God that I had been told to serve my whole life, I wasn't capable of doing because I wasn't allowed to in the ways that I wanted to. Right. And so I. I changed my major i I did different things i um you know became the uh kind of off the rails wild child at that point um and I went a little bit uh i don't know what the word is for it, you know. The sex and the drinking and all the things that you do in college when you're when you're supposed to do those things and have fun. And, you know, but I was doing them as rebellion Um, and I knew I was doing them as rebellion and I was wildly depressed and I felt hopeless and lost and chaotic and I struggled to even do simple things like eat food. Uh, for a long time. And I coped with all of that by doing exactly what I had been taught in my tradition, which was to cover up all sense of suffering and not show any emotion. Because in the Church of Christ, in our tradition, we do not speak in tongues or raise hands or clap or use instruments or show any sign of outward conviction you are stoic, right? And part of that upbringing to be strong and, you know, brave and all these things that I was taught to be at this point were really just kicking my ass. Um, because oh, I'm sorry. Can I say that on your Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> 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 they were really just kicking my ass because at that point, the only thing I knew was to just push through it right? I had never been taught to seek help for mental health. I had never been taught that therapy was an acceptable thing to pursue. I only had examples of what I knew. And what I knew was to shove down every possible emotion that I could ever feel and pretend like they didn't exist until they killed me. And that's what I did. And I, I, I was so incredibly depressed. Um, and I covered that by being so wildly busy that nobody knew. Um, and I took 18 hours of coursework and I worked three jobs and I was a resident assistant on my hall in my dorm. And I, you know, I did every possible thing to make it look as though I was okay. Mm -hmm. Even though I wasn't. Um, and gosh, I want to say that that's when you know things started to get better, and it's not. <laughs> it's not at all. This is not a happy story so far. I know it's it's sad and it's um, yeah. yeah, it's hard. Um,
0: yeah, but it's the truth.
1: And it's the truth. That's, the, that's no. the
0: thing. You know, we need to we need to hear these stories. You know? And
1: I know that there are so many other. People out there, because I am I am logical enough at this point in my life to realize that even though I want to be, you know, super unique and special as an Enneagram four, um, yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm an Enneagram four <laughs> you
1: know, that I can't possibly be alone. There are thousands of other stories just like mine. Um, so yeah, at this point, I ended up getting a job at a photography studio because I was studying journalism mm. and marketing, And I ended up getting a job there. And I was 19, maybe 20. Mm. Very young. So young. I was a baby, James. I was a baby. Um, and at that point, I had Not only just been struggling with this mental health and all these issues for such a long time already, for at least a couple of years. Yeah. Um, I was coming off of a sexual assault Mm -hmm. in college, um, that I didn't tell a soul about until a couple years ago. I'm 35 now, for reference. Um, And I felt like the biggest piece of worthless garbage. It's so just absolutely breaking to feel like you have no one in the world that you can trust. And even the people that you thought you could trust are the ones that hurt you. Um, Yeah. And I was in what I will say was the most vulnerable place I think I've ever been in my entire life. Emotionally, physically, everything. Yeah. And I took this job at this photography studio, and um, I loved the work. It was really exciting. It was fun work. Um, We traveled a lot. We uh, did all different kinds of photography, and it was so fun. And I finally really enjoyed it um, until the, uh, the boss at this job took notice of me and began to Put me in situations where I was not safe. Wow. Um, took me on trips with him and blamed it on the budget that we just had to share a hotel room. And, you know, wow. uh, ended up very quickly in a position where I felt, again, completely powerless. Um, not only was he many years my senior, but he was also my employer. Um, and I was absolutely coerced and manipulated into a relationship with him, uh, where I then spent, you know, the next few months just again hopeless. Like, how do you how do you find your way out?
0: Mm-hmm
1: of a situation that you have never, ever been given the tools to get out of. Yeah. When your entire life sets you up to be taken advantage of, where does that, where does that end? You know? Um, And for me, it ended with my parents actually finding out about this relationship and guess whose fault it was
0: oh gosh
1: (laughs) i I would love to to say it did i i didn't even have to
0: say it i know i think everyone everyone can figure it out it's yeah patriarchy yeah
1: so at that point i was pulled out of school i was dragged home i was locked in my bedroom I was forced to stand up in front of our church and confess all of my sins and try to reclaim some semblance of the purity that I had lost by being, you know, this temptress or this seductress or whatever it was, where they wanted to use for me that day. Whore, slut, whatever. Sorry. Sorry. The shame, it's still, it still haunts me. Um, Yeah. And I am working so hard to process that out, (laughs) Um, but it's still there in a lot of ways. And so at that point, you know, I, I was pretty much broken. You know, I was like, um, the horse that had been beaten enough that it finally just did what it was told. And I was allowed, I say allowed, I mean, I recognized that I was like 20 years old, but I had no autonomy, none whatsoever. Um, I was allowed to finish school and I was set up with my ex husband. And I was heavily encouraged, you know, um, to pursue a relationship with him because I had known him for many, many years. His family went to that church. You know, it was all the the inbreeding is very real, um, that it was yet again someone else that I was connected to that I couldn't get away from, that I couldn't escape that environment. Mm. It, Everything that I had and everything that I knew was connected to that single point of return, right? Um, But I was told that, you know, this person would accept me because he had also struggled to maintain his purity. And so he would be understanding of my sins. Um, And so very quickly, very, very quickly, I was pushed into marriage. (laughs) And I didn't have any fight left in me at that point. It had had been stomped out. And so I went along with it. And it was within nine months, I was married to this man that I did not love. I did not want to be married to. I did not feel for him, what you should feel for someone that you want to marry, you know, Um, and I didn't even want to be married. I didn't know what I wanted right? Because I had never been allowed to think about what I wanted, but I knew that that wasn't it. And I remember even sitting, sitting alone in the dressing room on my wedding day where I had been even denied the wedding that I wanted. Um, and there were hundreds of people in attendance and it was huge and this giant party that I was terrified of and I remember just sitting in this room in this giant poofy dress you know Mm -hmm. looking down at myself and not even recognizing who I was or what I wanted and I, I I still say to this day if one person had looked at me and said you don't have to do this like if I think a one person had given me permission to just run, I would have run, and I don't think I ever would have looked back. But nobody, nobody was there to give me that permission, right? Mm. And so mm. I got married, and instantly he moved me away to a different city where I didn't know a soul. Um. And he worked constantly, like 90, 100 hour work weeks, he was gone and I was alone. Um, I was also at this time getting very, very sick and there was no explanation for it. Um, I was violently ill on a daily basis. Um, The doctors couldn't figure out what was wrong. And I was, you know, Mm. just utterly bottomed out. Um, And just a couple months into our marriage, I found out that he was already cheating on me. Um, And when I say cheating, I say that with... (sighs) A grain of salt because it was so much more than that and I won't go into details about everything that my ex-husband was involved in because a lot of it I found out was happening during those work hours which I found out were not work hours later on. Um, A lot of it was illicit and illegal and destructive and harmful and terrifying Um, And I was trapped, literally trapped, um, alone, without any resources, without any money of my own, without a job, without anything, just completely trapped. Um, And I was told at that point by a pastor that he got to help, you know, counsel, quote unquote, us in our marriage Um, That it was my job to help him to be his mate, right? To be his partner, no matter what he was doing. He was the leader of our family. And it was my job to continue being his faithful wife. And that if he was cheating on me, obviously that meant I wasn't doing my job at home. So... You know what else do you do mm. in that situation you know it's so easy to look at, at anybody else's marriage or anybody else who's in a situation of abuse and think like, "Well why don't you leave? Why don't you just pack your bags and leave and <laughs> having been there, you know you can't you can't ever say that to somebody who has been so utterly and completely broken. <laughs> And made to believe that everything that they desire is false or a lie or evil or untrue. Um, and that your only purpose in life, your literal only purpose in life is to be the partner to someone who continually hurts you. And that is you fulfilling your purpose. Mm. And so I put my head down and I did my job. And by job, I literally mean I spent the next six years of my life being a partner, both physically and emotionally to a man who did nothing but hurt me over and over and over again. And Recently I have started to process that specific trauma mm-hmm. also. The, the pain that lives inside of my body yeah. from being forced into as many things as I was forced into for years and years and years. Um, Is something that I still have even trouble in a lot of ways acknowledging because it's so deep and it's so hurtful and it has affected every single part of my life how I move through the world, how I engage with other people that I love, how I see myself, you know. and it's it's so destructive. And so, you know, when I tell you that I used to be all fight and fire, and at that point it just felt like I had been ravaged by the fire. Mm. Like I had been burned up.
0: Yeah. I'm so sorry.
1: And I had two children with him. And those children are, and let me say this, to qualify, I do not ever recommend that someone has a child to fix a problem, okay? That is not, <laughs> that is not an endorsement for that. Um, I had two children. Um, the first one was a Another experience of trauma Um, And I shared a little bit about that on Twitter recently that you know the first birth that I had uh, Destroyed my body in a lot of ways really really damaged me Um, and I was left with this, you know gaping hole of pain and fear and depression and I was left alone largely to raise an infant by myself and I had no clue what I was doing no clue mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even remember a lot of her early years because I think I was just so dissociated from a lot of it mm-hmm. And that hurts because it—that's it, so much grief that I still carry right now. That I wish I could remember better when she was a baby, you know, when she was small, what that was like. And a lot of it, I just don't remember. Yeah, um, but I remember having this kind of wake-up call when she was about two, and feeling like. You know, I woke up one morning and I, I, I kind of hit this brick wall of realization that I am raising her to be me. And we were still, you know, in the same kind of religious communities. I was raising her in a house with a father that was very much like mine And I was becoming this mother figure that was getting really good at hiding from the hard things and pretending like the pain didn't exist. Mm -hmm. And I realized very suddenly that if I didn't do something different, that my daughter was going to grow up and have the same exact experiences that I had. Yeah. And so I, in a fit of fire that I still to this day don't know where it came from, um, threw all of my stuff into garbage bags and loaded my car and drove home. And that's not the end because he came after me. And I told him in no uncertain terms that if he wanted to keep our family together, that he at least had to move home, right? That that I wanted to be around other people who understood me, um, other people who knew who I was and who could support me and help me raise this baby that I was raising by myself. And so we did. He actually listened to that by some miracle. Um And we moved back to Kentucky where we are and uh, ended up having yet another baby. But I was already in a different place than I had been. It was that one singular moment of voicing what I needed, you know, saying something that was important to me that started to turn the tables. And I got pregnant again, um, and it was terrifying. It was absolutely terrifying because even though, you know, my whole job was to have babies and be a wife, um, I did not want to go through what I had gone through the first time. Yeah. And so I decided that I was going to fight again. And I spent the next nine months – Being an absolute complete birth nerd and I read every book that I could get my hands on and I educated myself to the hilt with, I was just arming myself with all of the knowledge that I knew that I needed to be able to give birth in a way that gave me autonomy. Right. And I did what I would not recommend for just anyone you know it has to be every person's own individual decision obviously but I knew that it was the right thing for me um, having been through all of the traumas that I had been through yeah and I said I'm gonna have this baby and not another damn soul is gonna touch me I don't care if it's a doctor I don't care if it's a nurse I don't care if it's nobody nobody puts their hands on me at all and I, by myself, had a baby in my living room floor. Um, and the amount of power that I felt in that experience. Mm was unlike anything else I have ever experienced in my life.
0: Wow. That's amazing.
1: When I realized, James, that my body could do that, right, that I was capable Hmm. of something of that magnitude that nobody else told me what to do, Nobody else was forcing themselves on me. Nobody was touching me. I was doing it. I was in charge. I was in control. And when I realized that I could do that, it changed
0: everything. Wow.
1: Every part of me changed in that moment. It was
0: like, it was like another you was born.
1: It really was. It really was. I say, like, I came to life when I had my second kid. Um, because I didn't even know who I was before that I had no idea I was capable of that for the first time to show and have that kind of strength and it not be met with fear or abuse in return. Hmm. but it was met with joy and and healing and goodness and love and all of these wonderful things that you always want, you know and and I had this beautiful, tiny human that I created. Um, and, and nobody else could lay claim to that. It was only mine. And it was the first thing that I had ever had in my life that was only mine. And so at that point it was, you know, it was biting my time. It was biting my time. Um, and I knew I couldn't walk away with a newborn. Um, but it was, it was a year after she was born when we were healthy and strong. And I went to my employer and I got a raise and I did all the things that I needed to do. I saved some money and I packed my bags for the second time and I didn't look back. I didn't look back. And in the process of walking away from that marriage, I also was forced to walk away from everything I had ever known because what should have been the greatest thing for me and my daughters um, turned into our entire community and church family, abandoning us and siding with my ex-husband. So I was asked to leave the church Um, I was threatened many, many times with lawsuits and fear tactics and all the things that you can imagine. Um, And I was told to keep quiet, that this wasn't my business, this wasn't my story, this wasn't true, that I was making it all up, that it wasn't real, that I was imagining things that... You can imagine all of that. Um, And so I left. I left it all behind. Um, And I still don't even know how. Because it would have been so easy in those moments. Yeah. To just say... You're right. I'm sorry. Okay. (laughs) And stay where it was safe and comfortable, right? Um, But I couldn't. I I couldn't. I was so sick over all of it. And I just, I knew that the only way that I could ever continue to live with myself was if I could raise those two daughters to be able to feel that same kind of power mm. that I had gotten a small taste of, um, and so that's where that's where I found myself seven years ago now. All right. Um, wow. And since then, it has been a roller coaster. You know, anybody that says healing is linear is lying to you.
0: Absolutely. I
1: agree. Um, My body has revolted in a lot of ways. Um, I have suffered a lot of sickness and illness in many different ways because it's like when I finally got out and got safe, all of that pent-up trauma that was being held inside of my bones just all tried to escape. Yeah, yeah. You know? I understand, uh, yeah. And so my body physically almost died a couple of times from the trauma. Um, but now I I find myself in a place of, Of safety. Um, I find myself in a place of autonomy for the first time ever. And it is nothing short of a miracle. But when I say miracle, I don't mean it in the traditional sense of, you know, God made it happen. I made it happen, (laughs) I created my own miracle. And, you know, I would never be so naive as to think that this story couldn't have been very, very different. And I recognize even just the sheer amount of privilege that I have to be able to say, you know, I always had a place to live. I always had a job to fall back on. I had opportunities to get out. And that alone is something that Obviously, not everyone else is given, right? Not everyone else has. So you can't even you can't even look at every situation and say,
0: yeah,
1: you know, all you have to do is be strong. Like, no, that's nonsense. Um, we live in a in an oppressive system that that makes it so easy for abusers to hold on to their victims, right? Yeah, to keep them oppressed. We live in a society and in a world that glorifies that and gratifies those people and and makes it simple for them um, and makes it really, really, really hard to get out. But on this side, you know, I uh, I'm grateful. I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful, yes, to some people who were there to help and support and hold my hand, right? But I'm finally, for the first time in my life, grateful to myself. Grateful that I didn't give up, that I didn't quit. Um, Grateful that I can finally start to see that even though nobody else in my life ever assigned any value to me, that it doesn't mean I don't have value. Right That I assign that to myself. And so kind of coming full circle, you know, coming back to that idea of identity, and I don't I don't show up as an expert or an author or anything like that with something to sell or something to share. I show up as a person who finally recognizes that my my value is exactly what I say it is. Mm oh, wow. Um,
0: I think I just want to affirm everything you said <laughs> and um, the courage that it took to say it. Thank you. Um, because it's not easy to share that, especially for the first time. Um, and... The the courage that you showed in getting out and um, moving into your own power and embracing that and living into that um, takes incredible courage and, um, yeah, um, I'm glad that, I'm glad you got free. I'm glad that um, yeah. you you have a better life now, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm really pleased you were, you felt able to share all of that.
1: Yeah, thank you for uh, just giving me the space to do that and to kind of get that all out in one. I like it's just so it's so strange to hear it all at once, you know. Yeah. And even, you know, you talk about it in therapy here and there, and you talk about one piece at a time. But to put it all out there in one big drop, you know, it does feel overwhelming and it does feel scary. Um, But I guess I would just say to, to anybody who is listening, who has a similar story or resonates or identifies even with a piece of it. Um, that you are absolutely not alone. absolutely not alone. um on on this side, I have, you know, had the privilege of being able to go to therapy for a while and um, get proper medical care for the first time in my life and have been able to receive diagnosis for things. Um, that I've struggled with always, you know, the anxiety, the depression. Um, I've been also diagnosed with ADHD, mm. as well as as well as OCD, um, and physically, uh, fibromyalgia shapes a lot of my life and how I'm able to function with mm. um, a lot of. A lot of pain and a lot of bad days and I just remind myself that you know my body is letting me know that I'm purging Yeah, purging 28 years of hell um, and I'm 7 years into that process so I think I still have a long way to go to really fully reclaim who I am or not reclaim but claim who I am you know, for the first time. Because like I said earlier, I I don't even fully know. There are still plenty of days that I wake up and I have to answer that question for myself and just figure out who I want to be, right? Yeah. And I think that's I think that's a lot of people's story right now. Especially I think there are a lot of people that are coming out of religious trauma abusive pasts, things like that, that we show up and we feel like we have to have it all figured out or we have to have some sort of big identity. I keep coming back to that word, but it's important um, because I think that's how a lot of us feel that we have to be fulfilling some sort of intangible purpose, right? And just showing up is enough. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Thank so you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And where Thank can people you. find you on on social media and things?
1: Yeah, um, I would love to get to know anybody on Twitter. That's where I spend the majority of my time uh, on social media. So my Twitter handle is Casey, K-A-C-E-Y, is magic. Uh, so if you want to connect with me on there, I would absolutely adore that. Just, uh, follow me and let me know who you are and we'll, we'll be friends.
0: Fantastic. And I can, I'll show you Katie is well worth the follow. She's a fantastic follow. Oh, I'm getting to know her, um, in the last few weeks and months and things. Um, Wonderful. Yeah. So, um, thank you for sharing your story. Um, uh, like I said, it incredible courage, um, your story is, is valid. Your story matters. Um, and I hope that it's been, I'm sure it has been encouraging um, to somebody out there who needs to hear it. So, um, yeah, and, um, and thank you for listening, everybody.